0: Well, we've always already had some wonderful encouragements. Uh, Angela's picture of us as light bulbs going out into the community from this big light bulb here and it, it taking off uh, resonated with a picture I had last night at a prayer meeting, I'll tell you about later, uh, where we were all getting wet in here, um, facilities manager Zanis worry, and then carrying this sort of glorious metaphorical drenchedness in the Holy Spirit out into the community, making impact on the community as we go along. But this passage here that we're going to pick up on today is all about Jesus' key priorities and his purposes. And you might be thinking, knowing a little bit about Jesus, how did he decide to do the things that he decided to do? And this passage will pick up on some of those and pick up on things that we get to do as well. I wanted to begin, though, uh, firstly by saying it's really nice to see you all. It's been a few weeks since I've been around up the front here at 10.30. Um, Nicola's been doing great things. Other people have been doing great things. Prudence was preaching. I've been looking after St. Albans a bit and, uh, and tossing around. So it's lovely to be back here at the 10.30 on, on a Sunday morning and enjoying time together. Also, I wanted to say I've had some really great things happen the last few weeks. I've experienced some wonderful things of God, some exciting prophecies, been to the amazing event at the cathedral for Bishop Richard Chartres leaving, where we had a chance to look back and think that over 21 years of his time as Bishop of London, um, the diocese was in a bit of a rubbish state, but for the last 16 of those 21 years, it's been growing. The church in London has been growing year on year as more people have discovered the truth about Jesus and come into a relationship with him, through all sorts of churches, and churches that had been dead, coming back to life again. Lovely to remember the story in the context that we're living in, because it's not necessarily the same one you see in the newspapers or on our TVs. Here is Jesus in this thing, and he's doing these incredible healings, beginning with his friend Peter's uh, mother-in-law. Now, Peter, or Simon as he is in this passage, is... Um, has one of those mother-in-laws who reminds me of many, many people in Christchurch. She's there. She's sick. She's on her bed. Um, God comes along, touches her. She gets healed. Suddenly, she's straight up, and she's serving people straight away. (laughs) Like, she's running the shelter project. She's helping in the meeting place. She's doing one of the activities. She's, She's one of those phenomenal people where you just have to go, thank goodness there are people like that around in the universe. And we have... So many of them here. If you're one of those people, I just want to celebrate you for a moment. Thank you so much for making things happen. You can see them around you, can't you? Can you see the people around you just make things happen? Wow. Thank you very much if you are a Simon Peter, mother-in-law type person. She's been on bed, sick with fever. The fever's been rebuked, and straight away she's up looking after everyone, serving everyone. Incredible person. I wish I was a bit more like it. The outcome of this event is that suddenly everyone realizes that Jesus is hot property. What's his priority going to be now? He's out of compassion, helped with the power that he has through the Holy Spirit, this incredible, wonderful woman. And suddenly everyone wants a piece of the action. What does he do? Does he run away? Does he hide away? Does he box himself away? The sun's setting. It's been a long day. And and instead, people are just queuing up to get his attention. And he lays his hands on them and heals them. And it's not always easy encounters. Looking at verse 41 of chapter 4 of Luke's gospel, some of these encounters are difficult. There are demons around, and Prudence was explaining those last week. Do listen again on the podcast if you want to find out more. But they are having a sort of battle encounter with him and trying to undermine his minister by shouting who he is which is clearly, for whatever reason, not the moment that he wants to let this news out. So he won't allow them to speak as well. There's a battle going on. It looks like this carries on all through the night. If you look at verse 42, it starts, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. What what a night of activity. Hospitals being emptied, mental health institutes being raided, people being changed and transformed all over the place. Pretty incredible place to be, isn't it? Imagine the movement you could build in that place. I do if I would imagine the church that you could build, the conference centre, the the auditorium for tens of thousands of people to come into this extraordinary ministry. What does Jesus do? He says, I must go and preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other people too. And that's why I've been sent. And he leaves them all and carries on preaching in new places. Now obviously, these are places where they haven't seen him on YouTube. He's not been on the Channel 4 News. He's, uh, he's going to be new and fresh in those places. But he's got a different priority to establishing a wow, I'm Jesus, aren't I great ministry workshop place. He's got a priority of sharing what he calls the good news of the kingdom. Word and deed. Deed and word. Works of the spirit. Works that he preaches. All about the kingdom of God. How does this work out? And does it work out today? Well, Last night, I was having one of my uh, wonderful things this week. I was driving to go to a boxing gym on a Saturday night, um, and I was in the ring, In a boxing gym, and uh, as you can see, I've not fared too badly. There's no major bruises on the eyes, Uh, because it it wasn't actually a boxing match. Um, Ollie was like, "There's no way this guy was boxing." (laughs) Thanks, Ollie. A bit of faith there in my sort of manliness. Uh, Anyway, it wasn't a boxing match. It was a prayer meeting happening in a boxing gym in a a particularly hard estate, just on on the edge of West London. Uh, And the guy who was organising it was from something called the Message Trust, which is uh, based up in Manchester. Uh, and the Message Trust have done an amazing work in the Northwest where they have been in different schools. They've helped people in extraordinary difficult situations. Uh, and in some areas where they've actually located and lived, whole streets have been changed around so much that the house prices in those streets have doubled. They've gone into streets where you could barely give away those houses. You've seen in the paper sometimes there's a sort of a, a street where it's so bad they're like, you know, £10,000 for a terrace house or even less. They've gone into streets like that, lived in them, made a difference in these communities, uh, and transformations occurred. So these are the sort of people I was, I was meeting with last night. Really looking forward to hanging out with them in the boxing gym and praying for the city. But in the background, as you would probably be aware, um, is this desire and this passion that we've really been sensing as a church to reach out to young people in the city. A sense of the sadness that they're is such a disengagement on emerging generations from a knowledge of God, not necessarily a rejection. They may never even have known about it. Um, they're living, they're the children of the children of the people who rejected God. <laughs> they're, they're in a void. And a desire for God to be known. That was the context for our prayer time. And just sort of longing for God to do something. And as I was, I was on the way, I was listening to this podcast. Um, it's from Alan Scott, the leader of the Causeway Vineyards in Northern Ireland. Uh, and if you know anything about Causeway Vineyard, Alan's been over to New Wine and other things to speak a fair few times. If you've been at the conference, you might have heard some of his things. Um, he, he's had this extraordinary journey with God and with healing and seeing God's power at work. Currently, a 1,000 people a year are joining the church who weren't Christians the previous year. It's an extraordinary move of God. And in this podcast, I'm not going to show you all of it, but a couple of snippets. He told the story of how a guy called Mark came to the church and said, look, God is sort of a bit fed up of just being asked to do stuff in church. He really wants the light bulbs to be going around the city in Angela's prophecy thing and bringing the light wherever they go. It's not about just being here, but, but taking it where he goes. And I'm praying for people out there, and that's what I've been doing. And Alan was like, the guy looks a bit wacky, so he was a bit like, okay. Um, and also, he was telling some extraordinary stories of miracles that had happened. And Alan said, oh, you know, he was a bit like, you know, prove it. <laughs> he didn't want to sound cynical. But he said, he says, quote, unquote, I've been a vineyard pastor long enough to know that when you pray for healing in church, not a lot often happens. <laughs> and, and so he said to the guy, rather than prove it, he said, well, well let's go out and do something together and see what happens. And the guy says, Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And sets the date time. And, and before he knows it, he's going out to see what happens. They meet an Asian lady whose legs are, um, are hurting her. Uh, and Mark says, Can I pray for you? Uh, and then he says something that is utterly embarrassing. He says, um, Is one of your legs longer than the other? And uh, it just seems an inappropriate thing to say. And uh, anyway, she said, Yes, it is. Um, and he says, Well, sit down there. Um, and we're, we're going to see a healing now. And then he turned to everyone around, and this mortified Alan. He said, right, everyone over here. This is just out on the street. We're going to see a healing now. Come and watch this happen. And then he prayed for her, um, and one of her legs grew, and she walked off down the road. Now, Alan was pretty skeptical, so he, when he could get away, he ran off after her, said, look, I'm the pastor of that church that strange guy (laughs) is associated with. I'm really sorry. Um, If nothing's happened, it's okay. You can tell me. I'm just trying to make sense of this. And she looked at him like, huh? Now I've been healed. (laughs) And from there on, they've been on a bit of a journey of trying to watch God do stuff outside the walls rather than focus on the inside. And indeed, they've got a sort of catchphrase over the church family, which is, is this. If you'll go after the lost... I'll look after the sheep. If you'll put your energy onto those who need um, real bringing into the kingdom, I'll look after those that I've already taught how to self-feed themselves. And he's just going to describe going into a school lesson, not quite what you can do in England, but it's it's a great story. Phil, you were were recently in a school and you were teaching a lesson. I know you don't know what story I'm going to ask you about. Uh, You were Teaching a lesson there, and uh, you asked the kids, "Why don't you believe in God?" And they said, um, "They said we can't believe what we can't see." And so, what did you say? He says, "Well, do you want to experience the love of God? Do you want to see Him in your life?" Yeah. And then what happened? They said, with a smile on their face, "Go ahead." And <laughs> um, so, was finished. Yeah, yeah. So, I ended up getting to to pray for these guys, and we just felt the Holy Spirit touch them. We then started to pray. One guy had a really bad hamstring. Um, I think he had torn it the week before, so we got to pray for that. And he got instantly healed in the classroom. And uh, we then just carried on with the lesson. At the end, six kids of that class who had witnessed that came up to us and asked if they could invite Jesus into their lives. Okay. It was a substitute teacher teaching the class, wasn't it? Yeah. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? When the kingdom comes in a class that you've been given over, over, and and it's normal for you to see the kingdom break out in schools, do you know this week how many kids have come to faith in schools? Um, I think three came to faith on Friday Yeah. the youth, and then obviously with Studio 10 we've seen five guys come to faith on Thursday. Yeah, and another 20 in another school this week. It's sort of tantalizingly exciting, isn't it, that God can and does work in people's lives around us now. And actually, when you look in on yourself and you remember moments of encounter with God, if you've been around church at all for a while, you'll know that's true. We sometimes have people coming in here for the first time and they come on something like our Alpha course or Life course and they say, can't work out. I'm come I'm, I'm on this course because I can't work out why, whenever the worship's going on, uh, I start crying. And I always check—is it because Richard had left his microphone on? <laughs> but is because the presence of God comes in our worship. You know, however small at times. <laughs> If you've been used to being in the dark, you walk into a room with a candle on. It's like, whoa, who lit the candle? And part of Angela's picture is the same as what I had last night. Was I, I saw this church filled with water up to above our head heights, and then it was sort of leaking out over the green. But most especially, we were then walking out of the building and our footprints were wet wherever we went. It's a picture of life, of God's life, of his spirit. And going places. And of course, if you ever walked out of a river and you've walked places after 100 meters or 200 meters, of course, you know, you're no longer making wet footprints. Um, but the idea is that we carry on. I think we rely on here to get the water. The water is living and goes with us into our corporate meetings, into our schools, into our parent groups, into our nursing homes, into wherever we spend our this time tomorrow moments. It carries on going round. And that's what Jesus wanted to do in this passage. He said, well, I'm not just going to stay in a place and make a sort of a mega church of brilliance have come to me. I want to go everywhere. And I want to make sure that there's enough space for me to explain the reason for what's going on. Interestingly, Alan said, uh, Causeway Vineyard, they've seen people healed of a huge range of things, including uh, a lot healed from different types of cancers. Uh, So, Deb, do they all come to church? (laughs) Nah, not at all. Does it change the city? All these healings, not necessarily. It's just the same as Jesus' day, actually. A lot of people will come to Jesus because they get something out of him. It doesn't make them the disciple. What they really need is the, the last bit of this passage where Jesus explains the kingdom. Because if you get the understanding of what the kingdom's all about, it starts to change you from the inside out. Actually, the biggest miracle of, of all It's not if your leg grows or you regain an ear or a cancer disappears. Because those things are all temporal and they'll pass in time. Lazarus is dead. But if you get converted to being a disciple of Jesus, it's the biggest miracle of all. None of us are inclined to be converted. We're all inclined actually to rebel against God, but if we realize that God is the king and He wants us to come into His kingdom, and if we start to align ourselves to His ways, and if we receive Him in, if the light bulb goes on, if we get soaking wet with Him, he carries everywhere. that's why He came. I hope, God willing, that over time we will see more and more demonstrations of his incredible power in our workplaces, just praying for someone. One uh, illustration Alan gave was of saying a grace in a restaurant, which might be a courageous thing to do. Instead of saying the grace, turning to the waitress and saying, uh, I'm in the habit of saying grace over my food, but... um, I can see it's actually dead. So I'd quite like to pray for something live today. Um, How about I pray for you? Is there anything I could pray for you for? Now, you've got to make sure that doesn't come across as a come on, because otherwise you're going to be in trouble with your wife, Ollie. (laughs) (laughs) But what an exciting idea. That actually God's already at work everywhere, out there. And he's just looking for a few people to go, Yeah. I can see what you're doing and I'd like to join in with it. Our agenda here isn't to build bigger and better and greater people sitting on chairs staring at the preacher on Sunday, but to equip one another to see transformation in Chiswick, London and the whole world as the kingdom of God keeps coming in power. Let's not settle for less because the need is so great. In Jesus' name.